is Diagnosis Glaucoma with your hosts, Dr. Mona Colleen and Dr. Harry Quigley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our episode today of Diagnosis Glaucoma. We have a guest. It is Dr. Larry or Lawrence Guyman. Larry, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thank you very much for inviting me, Dr. Kaleem. I am the Glaucoma Fellow here at the Wilmer Eye Institute at Johns Hopkins Hospital. I'm originally from the Northeast, from New Jersey, New York. I did my education at Columbia University and Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York. I then did my residency in Chicago at the Illinois Eye and Ear Infirmary, and I'm now here at Johns Hopkins for my Glaucoma Fellowship. And I'm very proud to be one of the people who's training you. You've been excellent, Larry. Thank you. Now, I heard you give this talk at one of our meetings recently, and I loved it so much that I wanted you to share it with the listeners today. The topic for today is contrast sensitivity, motion sensitivity, and visual crowding, and how that can affect an individual with glaucoma. So, you know, Larry, maybe one of the things that you've learned during your training has been that the word vision is not just visual acuity. There are so many other things that make up our vision. Can you tell us a little bit about what happens with individuals with glaucoma? I think that's 100% true. Unfortunately, when we hear the word vision, the first thing that comes to our mind is, well, I can't read these letters that are being shown at the end of a screen. I can't read something. And really, that's just one small part of vision. That's what we call the acuity, the visual acuity, the central portion of the vision. And although that is the sharpest vision, it is just one small part of what makes our entire visual experience and just one small part of what is affected in glaucoma. In glaucoma, the peripheral vision is affected And that's well known. We use the visual field, that's the peripheral vision, to monitor glaucoma. But even aside from those two, the central visual acuity and the peripheral visual field, there's a whole host of other aspects of vision that are affected. There's contrast sensitivity. There's motion sensitivity. There is color vision. And there are even other forms of vision loss that we'll get into that affect a person's ability to quickly understand shapes and patterns in their vision. And these can be affected even when our testing says that the standard acuity and peripheral visual field are normal. That's actually something that I hear quite a lot. We have lots of patients who have 20-20 vision or they read really well on the visual acuity chart but they complain that they have a hard time performing certain functions because they feel like they can't see well. And then we find out that they have other issues like you're mentioning, color, contrast, peripheral vision loss, even things like glare. I know contrast sensitivity is a very big topic. Can you talk to us a little bit about the contrast sensitivity? Absolutely. So contrast sensitivity is a aspect of vision that has been very well studied for several decades now. And it is very well established that patients with glaucoma lose both central contrast sensitivity and peripheral contrast sensitivity, that is, in the side of the vision, and that that is an important part of their vision loss. Sometimes, parts of the vision that are normal in our testing 
They can read the letters at the end of the room fine, and the patient has a normal visual field. But actually, if we check their contrast sensitivity, it's decreased. And there's many different ways to check contrast sensitivity. Sometimes we can show a patient text that's black on a white background, and then we'll show them different text that's dark gray, then medium gray, then light gray, then off-white, and glaucoma patients lose track, they lose sight of that text sooner than somebody without glaucoma. And does the contrast sensitivity loss occur earlier than some of the other types of vision loss or later? Where does that happen? It can happen at various stages in glaucoma, but there is evidence that contrast sensitivity can precede loss of visual fields as we monitor glaucoma in the modern age. There have been at least two or three studies supporting that where the researchers looked at the exact place where there was preserved visual field, that is the way we check for glaucoma today, but when they checked the contrast sensitivity using a slightly more advanced method than just reading the off-white text, they were able to show that there was actually decreased contrast sensitivity in the area that seemingly had normal vision if we were to check with just the standard battery of testing. What are some ways that we can actually test for contrast? Aside from using the off-white lettering that goes from black to gray to off-white, some researchers have used these pictures that have stripes. And it starts off being black and white stripes, and then it becomes gray stripes, light gray stripes, off white stripes, always on a white background. And that's a little bit more of an advanced way to check because not only can we change the shade of the stripes moving from black to gray to off white, but we can actually change the number of stripes, how thin and thick they are. And that's actually also another determinant of contrast sensitivity. There are two determinants. One of them is how bright the overall field is, meaning it's harder to do a contrast sensitivity test in the dark than it is in a bright lit room. And the other determinant is actually the frequency of those stripes. And so it's a way to have a more advanced method. And some of the research that I was citing before it uses these more advanced methods of testing. There is something called the SPARCS test as well. That's an acronym, S-P-A-R-C-S, which tests for central and peripheral contrast sensitivity. And it also uses these stripes, which is a more advanced way of checking for contrast sensitivity compared to just showing a patient off-white text. If someone wanted to check their own contrast sensitivity at home, how can they do that? Yes, so there are several commercial tests that are made by various companies. The test with the text, although it is not one that is used in scientific studies, is a straightforward way to check it at home. This is called the Pelli-Robson test, P-E-L-L-I-R-O-B-S-O-N, Pelli-Robson. Then the Commercial test with the stripes is called the CSV-100, and these are all commercially available and can be purchased online. I encourage patients 
who want to learn more about contrast sensitivity to speak to their ophthalmologist or optometrist or their glaucoma specialist and see if at-home testing is right for them. And perhaps if their ophthalmologist thinks that it could uncover some vision loss that was not found in clinic. One way to know whether your contrast sensitivity is reduced or not is simply just to evaluate how you do in dimly lit conditions. If you feel like you're having a harder time when there's less light, then you could be suffering from a loss of contrast sensitivity. That is 100% true. We mentioned earlier that the term luminance, which is simply how bright is the room, is a determinant of contrast sensitivity. And somebody with glaucoma requires more light to see the same level of contrast as somebody without glaucoma, meaning somebody without glaucoma may be able to see that gray on white text with less light, but the glaucoma patient, they can see it, but they need that much more light or else they can't. Are glaucoma patients the only ones that suffer from reduced contrast sensitivity? That is not true. It's a great point that there are other conditions that can cause reduced contrast sensitivity. And it's the job of an ophthalmologist and a glaucoma specialist to separate those other causes. One classic cause is a cataract. And that's something that many glaucoma patients often have. And it can be difficult to distinguish the two, but a good ophthalmology exam can usually assess how much of a cataract there is and determine whether or not it is the glaucoma or the cataract that is contributing more. Um, If a cataract or glaucoma is treated, does that reverse the contrast sensitivity loss? Fortunately, for a cataract, the treatment is to remove it and to replace it with a clear lens that would improve the contrast sensitivity that the patient had lost with the cataract. Will it get back to 100%? That's unknown, but it will probably get the patient back to a very, very close approximation of how their vision was before they had the cataract in terms of the contrast sensitivity. Unfortunately for glaucoma, that may not be the case. The vision loss from glaucoma is often permanent, and that is vision loss that we measure through the standard visual field testing and some of that visual acuity testing. It's unknown whether a patient can recover contrast sensitivity, but unfortunately, it's unlikely. And so all the more why it is important to follow closely and to monitor the patient closely to make sure that their contrast sensitivity is staying stable and their glaucoma is overall staying stable. So basically, when we treat glaucoma, we're helping to preserve the present level of contrast sensitivity And with a cataract, we can potentially regain some of the contrast that we've lost. That is 100% true. And all the more why early detection of glaucoma is so important. Let's move on to color vision. What happens to the color vision in glaucoma? So this has been studied by several study groups over the past many years. This is actually something that's been known for quite some time. Even from the 80s, there's a paper from 1981, and this is well before we had a lot of the advanced imaging techniques that we see today. And at that time, the researchers noted that glaucoma patients had very specific color vision loss, yellow, blue, and blue, green. 
And this is unique because there are very few conditions in ophthalmology that cause yellow, blue, and blue-green color vision deficits. And those that do are rare conditions, much rarer than glaucoma. We often hear of red-green color blindness or color deficiency, but yellow, blue, and blue-green is unusual. And these researchers showed that there is certainly uh, this yellow, blue, green color vision deficiency in glaucoma, and that the degree of color vision loss actually is associated with the degree of glaucoma visual field loss. Even though when a patient is being tested for their color vision, they're not using their peripheral visual field. So it's a different aspect of vision loss that we see in glaucoma that may be separate from the visual field loss. You've also mentioned something before called global form. What is global form? Global form is what I think a really interesting aspect of vision. And it's something that has been studied in a few papers. There's one from 2005. And essentially, it's the ability for the patient, for the brain, to quickly look at a pattern and know what the pattern is. And so the way they tested for this is they made two types of patterns with dots. One of them looks like the spokes on a tire going from the center all the way out, kind of like a bunch of rays, like sun rays. And the other one, also made with dots, actually looked like many rings going from outside in. And they asked patients, can you tell if these dots are the rings or the spokes? And again, these aren't lines, it's actually random dots. And so it's not 100% clear, but a patient without glaucoma is able to tell, even with just the dots, this is 100% the spokes and this is 100% the rings. Not so with glaucoma. Those patients had a much harder time with looking at this diagram and getting a quick understanding of what is the pattern. Now, that is a far cry from you know, the complexity of the visual world that we see, but it does suggest that glaucoma patients probably have a harder time getting the general sense of where things are and what the overall patterns are when they look at something. And earlier today, we were just talking about motion sensitivity. Yes, uh, motion sensitivity is another aspect of glaucoma that is lost separate from the central visual acuity and the peripheral visual field. Motion sensitivity is actually lost in not only glaucoma, but in some other eye problems and even some neurologic conditions. There's some brain disorders that actually have motion sensitivity. So it's not surprising that glaucoma being a disease of the optic nerve, which is actually a part of the brain, has motion sensitivity loss. And the way this was tested is that researchers showed patients a movie, again, of dots. And the dots were either moving left, right, up, or down, and some of them were just going in random directions. And a normal-sighted patient without glaucoma 
had a much easier time understanding the direction that the dots were moving, even if only half of the dots were moving in, for example, the leftward direction, they were able to say, yes, these dots are moving left. A glaucoma patient needed many more of those dots moving in the leftward direction to say correctly, yes, these dots are moving in the left direction. They need a little extra help with understanding if something is going left, right, forward, or backward. And that actually correlates with the degree of glaucoma. So now that we know all of these things about contrast, color, crowding, and motion sensitivity, what are some recommendations that you have and how can this affect function? How can we improve our function given this information? That is a great question. I think each type of vision loss is unique, but some of them do have things in common. For contrast sensitivity, certainly we would like increased lighting. If you recall, we mentioned that luminance or brightness is one of the determinants of contrast sensitivity. And so glaucoma patients, if they have less contrast sensitivity, we can help them by increasing the light in their day-to-day -day environments. That may also help with color vision, and it may also help with motion sensitivity. Certainly having a brighter image is good, though not too bright. We don't want to what we call oversaturate, and so that's something that each patient can work with their ophthalmologist to figure out what is the optimal level of lighting so that that patient can be successful in their day-to-day -day lives. In terms of motion sensitivity, certainly working with one's doctor to see how driving can be safe and working with a visual rehabilitation specialist, which we'll speak in, about in a little bit, to see if driving can be safe. Adequate lighting, making sure that all the mirrors are in the appropriate place. An interesting technology that is being implemented in some of the newer vehicles and I can't say if this will be useful for glaucoma patients, but there are some vehicles that are now being outfitted with cameras in place of the side view mirror, and that camera is located in the cabin in the car. It remains to be seen whether this is beneficial for poorly sighted patients. It wasn't invented for that purpose. It was invented simply as a, you know, a new technology for vehicles. But I recently was watching a video of somebody explaining this new technology, and I thought to myself, this may make it easier for patients who have visual deficits to drive. Though again, of course, we would ask that you speak to your doctor and see if driving is still right and safe for you. There is one more aspect of vision loss called visual crowding, which is kind of similar to global form, and, and that is that glaucoma patients are more likely to get overwhelmed by too many items on their table, for example. There were researchers that did a study where they hid a key to a door on a cluttered desk, and the glaucoma patients were less able to find the key than a normal-sighted person. That wasn't the experiment, that was an example, for example, of what a glaucoma patient might have difficulty with. The actual experiment used letters and other shapes. And so for that, increased lighting, but also 
for patients with glaucoma to have a good system in place, to know where everything is in their home, to have appropriate locations and distances, and so that nothing is really a surprise. I think surprises for a patient who has a little bit of visual impairment is definitely not something we want. We want their world to be as predictable as possible for them. We should put in a plug for vision rehabilitation. On this podcast, we've talked a lot about the resources available where you can learn how to function better. At Vision Rehab, they're not necessarily checking your intraocular pressure or making recommendations about medications, but they're helping you to focus on improving your quality of life. And they have lots of information about different resources you can take advantage of. So just want to say that vision rehabilitation is a great place to go to get some extra help. And you can actually look on the American Academy of Ophthalmology website. There is a page for patients. The website is www.aao.org forward slash low dash vision dash and vision dash rehab. So Larry, just to kind of bring everything together, what are some good takeaway points from this conversation? I think it's important to patients and for doctors to understand that the vision loss in glaucoma is complex and it cannot simply be boiled down to not being able to read letters across the room at an office, not being able to read a book or having visual field problems in the peripheral vision. Sometimes others can have a misconception that, oh, glaucoma patients are missing part of their vision. It's black there. And then that's really a strong misconception. The vision loss is, is complex. It, it often does not take the shape of missing patches. It takes the shape of reduced contrast sensitivity, of reduced motion sensitivity of reduced ability to see patterns uh, in, the, in their environment, uh, reduced color vision, and of course still the standard reduced central acuity and reduced peripheral visual fields. It's really all of these. And I look forward to future work in this area where we may be able to use these tests for these other aspects of vision loss in our patients for two reasons. First, it will help us better understand their vision loss. And second, it may actually help us to predict future glaucoma worsening and overall manage the disease better. How will this information help you when you go out there and you practice, Larry? What are you gonna what are you gonna do differently after learning about all of these things? Certainly I would approach every patient encounter I have with somebody with glaucoma with no preconceptions about what their vision loss is like and spend a great deal of time trying to better understand what are they experiencing? How can I help them as an overall patient and as a person who's trying to cope with this disease and who is trying to continue to live their day-to-day -day as they were before the disease? Yes, there is a time for eye drops and lasers and surgery, but at the end of the day, we are treating the whole person and their vision and their visual experience is something unique to them that I would want to and I will be taking into account.
Very well said. Larry, if our listeners want to find you or support your work in the future, how can they find you? How can they get an appointment with you? Where will you be? Yes, I will be migrating from the Baltimore area here at Johns Hopkins to a practice in North Jersey called the New Jersey Eye and Ear. It is an ophthalmology practice with several different specialists, and I will be starting there in September. I will be available for appointments, and I can easily be found uh, online on their website. Your future patients are really lucky to have you, and we're really going to miss you a lot. It's really been a pleasure to work with you this year, Larry. Thank you very much, Dr. Kleem. It was a pleasure to have spent this time here at this institution and certainly with you. Thank you very much to all of our listeners. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, your mom says take your drops.